Hey, everybody. Welcome to This Week in Pre-IPO Stocks podcast. With me, I got Nick Fusco, CEO of 8View, a pre-IPO secondary market pricing company, and Clint Sorensen, Chief Investment Officer at WellShield, an outsourced CIO and investment research company. Okay, today we got three topics. We'll talk about ByteDance Financials. We got some weight loss drugs, which are all the rage on the Upper East Side. I don't know about you, Nikki, but I'm hearing about them all the time. And then FTX and Anthropic. So, all right, let's dive in. So ByteDance is a monster. Okay, they just announced, uh, published some uh, first quarter numbers. Actually, they're like buying stock from uh, the employees, their U.S. employees. So like numbers are starting to like trickle out there. Let me read you some. So they have, they're going to do um, $24.5 billion of revenue in the first quarter this past year booked, right? They have $6.8 billion in free cash flow for Q1. $2.7 billion of profits. They have cash reserves of $30 billion. Okay. So as a point of comparison, Meta, Facebook, right? Meta has $28 billion of revenue, Q1 revenue. So this company's like quickly approaching Facebook-like revenue numbers. It's nuts. So ByteDance has a $211 billion uh, valuation. That's the number, you know, kind of I'll call it last primary round and then layer in and Nick's um, uh, secondary market activity, right? Gets the $211 billion. And Meta has an $820 billion market cap, right? So ByteDance, for those that don't know, is TikTok, right? That's their TikTok US entity. They have a huge business. In, yeah, you know it, Nick. Like Nick's very good at this TikTok stuff. Oh, yeah. the, the, the ByteDance is like, you know, they have a very big business in mainland China and other parts of the world. But Thoughts on the size of their business? This is like kind of the first glimpse I think a lot of folks have, have got into ByteDance. So thoughts on the size of this business? Does that kind of change your perspective about things? Like Nick what, or, or uh, Clint, what do you think, man? What do you think? I think, it's, I think the company's cheap, right? I mean, at the end of the day, we talked about this. I think um, it was a while back, but we were talking about ByteDance and the whole TikTok, uh, TikTok ban potentially or whatever. But I mean, you. I remember during that episode, we discussed a lot of the far-reaching applications that they do for education and everything on, in mainland China. And it's just such a big company uniting people and building a community. And now they're they're printing numbers like this. They got a ton of cash and they're cheap relative to the nearest kind of community comparison, which I think met is appropriate. Yeah. So um, look, I, I think, I mean, I think this makes the case for global pre-IPO equities um, and I think, you know, just like in public markets, like when we look at capital market assumptions, we have the Jeremy Grantham said it. I don't know if you saw the podcast, but he said no one should put their money in the U.S. Uh, and I think he meant, you know, the S&P 500, not to put words in his mouth. But if you look at like the S&P 500 from an expected return perspective, and you look at like emerging markets, it's vastly different, right? You're like yeah. sub 4% nominal expected 10-year returns in the S&P, and you're like above 10 nominal in emerging markets. And I think that's translating to the, the private markets as well. So great numbers, great performance, um, in, incredible reach, credible growth story. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a bite dance bull. Okay, so Nick, so Nick, so to Clint's point, like appears to be undervalued, right? And these numbers are like super bullish, as he just said. Do you think that the reason that this thing isn't doesn't have like meta like uh, valuations is either one because it's still private, or two, it's like China and there's just like negative halo around China these days? Like, what what do you, what do you think on on kind of the valuation depression, if you will, for for that business? Yeah, it's, it's super interesting what, what we're observing because you've, you've got like three different price points. 
Um, and I'll go from uh, largest to smallest. You've got the share buyback within the company that's that's going to be like your 300 million, as I, I think what was reported uh, in the in the article that you're referencing. Then you're having where a lot of the mutual funds are actually marking it, uh, mm-hmm. which is a bit lower. And then even lower than that, more about the the 210 mark is what we're seeing in the secondary markets. So why why is this such a wide dispersion uh, Um And actually, even the trend differs. So I think the private markets are pricing it incredibly cheap. When you, if you're putting those other two into context, and it's been on the downward trajectory, it's kind of leveled right. off. Yeah. But you're you're even noticing like the mutual funds are valuing it higher and higher quarter on quarter. And this news that's coming out, I think it's spelling the same growth story that that you and Clinton are putting out there. I think I think this thing is cheap. Um, yeah. Not not that I, I think we can we can trust there won't be government intervention. There definitely is a hell of a lot on the on the Chinese side, right? Sure. And that's probably part of the reason it's performing so well, and nobody's uh, having the same turmoil that like Ant Group had and things like that as of right. yet. Um, but I mean, even when it got put before Congress, we talked about that maybe however many months ago it was. We saw some adverse performance because of that. And you know, if if that doesn't kick in, this thing's a buy. Yeah, <laughs> it's operating at like similar revenue numbers to Facebook if those are reliable. Plus, it's valued at a little over a quarter of the mm-hmm. value, uh, and it's definitely got better growth, right? So, yeah. screaming um, buy. Yeah, <laughs> if if yeah. that is a good comp, it's a screaming buy for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. And a lot of yeah, people think Meta's yeah, yeah. a buy. Well, right? I, a lot of people think Meta made it, Meta's cheap. So I'm thinking, wow, this is pretty amazing. Well, there you go. Just yeah. short Meta, long, long this. If you can compare it, uh, or if you're, you're thinking Meta's cheap, then go for both. But like, at, at least it'd be a nice complement to the portfolio, both on a country diversity risk, private versus public risk level. You know, it, it, it makes some sense. Yeah, well, what's crazy too is my understanding is that TikTok, the U.S. you know business, is a very small percentage of that twenty-four billion. Like most of that revenue is coming from mainland China, which I think kind of blows my mind. So that to me further supports this like you know concept of it's undervalued because if it's this negative halo from kind of U.S. regulation, it's not even that big of a contributor to overall revenue. I mean, that kind of begs the case. It's just it's like you know it's a screaming buy. So. Um. Yeah, ByteDance, man. It's that's like it's a, it's an interesting company. You know, I'm like an old China. I'm an old China guy with the crane shares ETFs thing, right? Um, and like you know, I like to think I know a little bit more about China than most. And this company's a monster, and I think it's only going to get bigger. So it's going to be interesting to see what happens with this valuation. But uh, yeah, and 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 I guess the the one thing I don't know well enough is is the macro trends in China could be participating on the downward trajectory on the on the private fair, markets, right? Fair point. So fair point. it's still kind of a why why is the company itself valuing so much higher? Why are mutual funds valuing so much higher? And what is actually happening on the ground where people are, right. are putting money up in between rounds in that secondary? Yeah, space. those mutual fund marks, Nick. Come on, that those are smart people, right? I mean, we're talking like what the I don't know who owns it from a fund, but it's probably like the Fidelities, the T Rowe Price. It's like the usual suspects, right? I mean, those are smart people. If they're saying that this thing should be worth more and they're marking it up, it's something to really take a look at and acknowledge, right? Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, you're going to have um, like variable insurance is one of the big holders. They hold it at at the highest mark. Uh, out there right now, I think T. Rowe Price, Bright House Funds, uh, but even 
some of the dispersions between where they're valuing it. Um, actually, Fidelity is the highest uh, marked smart level. I've heard of yeah. that company. <laughs> yeah, smart I mean, company, they, smart they, people. They typically know what they're doing. Yeah. Um, so that I mean, this could spell a number of things. It could actually be the funds gearing in line to where a future round or liquidation event is going to occur. We do we do see that. We I mean, we saw that with the funds aligning to Databricks at the valuations. So I, yeah, these. These are very smart people, and it's just a matter of, okay, you have three very different valuations in the market. Which one or which blend is uh, is accurate? But we're right. seeing a, a big disconnect here. Yes. Sure. Oh, listen, I, I'm, I, this is going to be interesting. We'll come back to this one in, in future weeks and months because this is I'm, – I'm super intrigued by, uh, by ByteDance. But let's talk about these weight loss, weight loss drugs, okay? Um, so first of all – I like know a lot of people taking them, right? Mm-hmm. It's wild. And they're like losing a ton of weight. The whole, the, so there's Wegovi, a Zempec, I think I'm pronouncing that right. And there's a handful of other ones too, but uh, ultimately just like basically makes the person stop wanting to eat. Um, it also looks like it's helping with smoking and alcohol. So just generally better health, right? This, general with this magic pill. behavior, right? Right, yeah. exactly, exactly. So, so, but what's interesting is there's a couple interesting like applications here. So one, I think this drug, these drugs like highlight the, what what's really interesting and kind of like these emerging pharma or biotech companies can like have on society, right? So new pharma, new, you know, kind of drugs come out, new biotech. I mean, there's a ton of stuff around food. There's tons of stuff around curing cancer and other diseases, with these kind of new emerging stuff. We don't talk a lot about it on the pod, but I'm like watching these companies like start to emerge, you know, Um, especially on the pharma side, it's like heavy capital, like nothing's exciting until all of a sudden it is. And it's like, like this stuff, it's like, wow, everybody's using it, you know? Um, That's interesting. So I'm kind of interested to get your guys' thoughts on that. But then also too, like companies are starting to come out with like, like they're referencing the stuff on their earnings calls. So like Walmart brought this up that they're like, like they had a correlation for people taking these drugs. They're not buying as much groceries at Walmart anymore, right? That's a crazy use of data and tra- kind of tracking. So super interesting there. So there, that that's, I think, compelling. Also, United Airlines came out and said that if everybody, if all of their customers on average lost 10, 10 pounds, that they would save, have $80 million dropped right to the bottom line. <laughs> so like it's like it's getting brought up these two drugs are not bringing up like ceos are talking about this stuff on earnings calls right so kind of this innovation that's happening through pharma and biotech which of course ai is going to have an impact and all this stuff right so anyway i'm talking too much but like let me let me ask you guys have you heard of these two like like nick have you heard of these two like these weight loss drugs like what do you think do you think I, this stuff's getting overblown yeah. or do you think it's spot on I feel it's unfair when you ask me these. Of course, we're in Manhattan. Like, everybody flew yeah, yeah. into these things. Yeah, it's the uh, height of vanity. Yeah, yeah, I yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I have. Uh, I'll, I'll pitch it to Clint because, I don't know, maybe it's not quite the same. And I, and I was just in San Francisco and L.A. And <laughs> if you're going to pick three cities where, the, where this stuff's going to be popular, well, I guess yeah. less OSF, but who knows. Yeah. Um, it's going to be there. Yeah, Clint, yeah, what do you say? You got to hear anybody? I mean, I've, I've de- yeah, I've heard of it. Like, I've uh, got a family member, uh, an, uh, an uncle, and I'm not going to mention who, obviously, but an uncle that's on it. And he dropped a bunch of pounds and uh, thought that was pretty interesting. Uh, and then I started reading up on it, you know, reading what, you know, there's some 
potential side effects, obviously it's a new drug. So, you know, some people are saying it's a lot of muscle loss instead of, you know, targeted fat loss. And, um, but it does obviously help with compulsive behaviors, which I think, or at least that's the evidence out so far. That's never a bad thing in my opinion. Um, when it comes to society, it might be bad to, uh, corporations that, tend to benefit from those compulsive behaviors, but right. I think ultimately that's a good thing for society as a whole. Yeah. 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 Well, it, it's interesting. I mean, the, the, the pharma biotech stuff, and I'll do a better job of bringing up some of these kind of emerging companies that are coming through, but, uh, but there's some really cool things that are happening in that space. So this is just one example, I think of a new drug, right. That can have a major impact on society. And I think we're going to start to see more of this stuff happen over the next like five to 10 years. You know, yeah. I, yeah, I don't life really. Life sciences is super interesting. We cover a lot of tech and tech yes. applications, but like life sciences in general is such an interesting, uh, such an interesting arena. You like that asset class, Clint? You like life sciences uh, as an asset uh, class? I do, right? In venture, right? In, in something where you, it's all about position sizing, like everything else, right? right? You're going to have a lot of failures, but you've got such huge asymmetry. That, you know, if you position size properly and you've got good managers or, you know, good uh, analysts to help you select the right criteria who have backgrounds in biotech or, you know, biochemistry or medical field or what have you, um, I think it's it's quite fascinating. Yes, that's right. I mean, Nick, do you guys have any life science company? You must have life science companies on on AFU, right? Not not so much. And, okay. And, and I'll, I'll hit back on this because it's kind of interesting that... The way we we have observed it is maybe some of these companies are VC backed from an early stage to get the wheels in motion, but at such time, I I feel as though it's less equity driven mm-hmm. uh, from a funding perspective, and they and they're getting a lot more in terms of uh, debt investment, you know, uh, more more sure. on the on the alternate side of the spectrum. We we would never see any activity. Got it. Um, so I'm curious what you, what you guys are seeing, but you're not getting a lot of late stage VC styled investing into these companies because they're so nuanced and there's so much uh, right. uh, going on there that you're not going to have a VC that just has a ton of PhDs sitting in house. Right. There, well, there, they get... there are some like, and there, there are a few that I know up in, up in uh, Boston, Cambridge area for sure. But I, I think the way they get funded is a fair bit different than your traditional tech company. That's well, they get very, bought too, right, Nick? I mean, they don't go early public. Stage. They like yeah, Pfizer buys them or something. Yeah, yeah right, super right. early stage businesses. Yeah. Yeah, 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 and they get bought probably before they even like if something starts to work, like somebody comes in and buys them. You well, know? They, yeah, I think and I think that's a huge part of the the uh, dynamic, right? Because what is your you you've just come up with the new uh, cure for polio 2.0, right? And what is your dream? Your dream is to get that to market and save lives and save people or right. allow people to lose weight and present a big moral hazard for uh, Walmart that all of a sudden wants <laughs> you to lose weight, but then kind of wants you to buy a yeah. lot of food in the same store and That's right. all, that, all that, right? Now what do you uh, do? Yeah, I, lo- right. I love that. It's just right. but But yeah, if you want to get your hand, uh, you, your products in the hands of the masses, the best possible way to do it is to get probably gobbled up by a, yeah. a, a Pfizer or or Bear or similar, right? Especially with so, all the regulation. Yeah, whereas, totally. whereas a tech company may just want to rule the world and become the next Uber, become you the got next it. SpaceX and and the like, and do it on their own terms. Yeah. Um, so I don't. Yeah, I, I'm curious if you guys think differently, or there's another dynamic that I'm missing. But we definitely don't see much activity on the late stage end of things. Life yeah. sciences. 
um, drug related. Yeah, I just don't know enough about the deals that come through. Like to me, it'd be, it's interesting to get involved in the space. If you get picked off though, like around Series A, Series B, I mean that that itself could be a good return. Nothing wrong with that, right? Just depends, I suppose. It depends on how long it took you to get from point A to point B. But then, uh, but you know, like, look, if you can participate in the upside as an investor, you know, and like a as a drug in like a Pfizer portfolio, that's interesting, right? So I just don't know. I don't know if those deals are kind of out there, but maybe they will be if something's in high enough demand, you know, in the future. But uh, yeah, I'll bring this. I'll start to highlight some of this stuff. I think the, these are interesting life sciences companies. I'll, I'll start to highlight it more of it in the future. But uh, but let's talk Anthropic. This is a crazy story. Okay, so first of all, we hit on I think Anthropic last week in our kind of little AI thing. They're doing another round. They're looking at like a twenty thirty billion dollar valuation. It's like two hundred x revenue multiple. That's a lot, right? Okay, so I read this thing on Twitter and then I like went down the rabbit hole. So FTX invested into Anthropic. They put $500 million into Anthropic at a $4 billion valuation. They led the Series B, okay? $500 million value uh, uh, um, investment. So Anthropic is looking to do 20 to 30 billion now. So that's like a five to X plus return on that 500 million. The tweet that I saw said that that, if it, if it does happen where they get that 20, $30 billion valuation, that the valuation, that gain on Anthropic stock would make FTX investors whole, their creditors whole, <laughs> right? Which is great. They had 8.9 billion total bill. I mean, it's, this isn't funny, right? Like FTX is very sad. A lot of people lost money, but it, I am happy if they all get their money back. That's great, right? So maybe that's the good part. That, but they had $8.9 billion was missing that FTX owed to creditors, right? They've identified 7.3 billion. This isn't like perfect math, but I think the 500 million was in that 7.3 billion. They're like, they may even have more now, which would be interesting. But what like thoughts on, thoughts on like FTX? I mean, FTX was a disaster. Can we all agree on that? Disaster. Not good, right? No, no absolutely not. No, no, no. So terrible. But like this crypto momentum and momentum and blockchain and blockchain tech and VC in that area, it was a, it was a parking brake. You had yes. you had a car driving with nitrous oxide and you yanked the parking brake at the same time. That's it. But Clint, what happens if like because they had a whole bunch of like startup company investments, right? What if well, that like all portfolio that like, plays out? Yeah, I mean they they came. They were the rescuer, right? They came and started trying to bail out everybody too. Um, look, I think it's great. Anytime investors get a recovery of capital, yes. What I'm more curious about is that the politicians are going to give the money back. All that money that they got back, right? Is that part. part of the recovery? That's because it was on That's both fair. sides of the aisle. So this is a this is a non political yeah. comment. It's I'm going to go on a limb and say that that's a hard no. <laughs> <laughs> like, come on, where where's that? So I think they're yeah. carrying on. But here here's AI to the rescue. Um, yeah, 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 yeah. AI to the rescue again. But yeah, I think that's saving awesome. everything else. Anything yeah. that benefits the end investor. I mean, I hate to see. Something like that. Everyone was in FTX, right? It was a classic case on borrowing due diligence because yeah. I was like, "Well, so and so was in it, so you know, I didn't do the due diligence. They were in it." And yeah, I think, yeah. You know, it just. I think it was a. I think it was a a case of I'm gonna say Ponzi scheme, but I call them accidental Ponzi's. Accidental yeah. Ponzi finance that happens in private equity all the time. 
Yeah, that's a nice way of saying it. Good intentions, and the next thing you know, you're like, I'm in a hole, and I'm thinking I'm doing right, but at the end of the day, you end up creating an accidental Ponzi, and I think that's what what happened here. Yeah, it was like a bank balance sheet just managed way too aggressively. Way too aggressive. It got upside down. So, so Nick, I don't know enough about bankruptcy. I'm assuming you don't because you're a very smart person, and I'm sure you've never had to deal with this before, right? But- um, like, you know, if they make enough money through these, like these pre-IPO stock portfolios or these venture investments that they have, then I suppose they pay off all the creditors and then that money starts to go to the equity holders. Right. I would, I would think. I do believe that's typically how it, how it would function. I just wonder here, here how it's going to play out. It's like, I'm thinking back to 2008, uh, when you had Lehman brothers and then you had LDIA. So I had a bunch of friends that ended up at Lehman brothers in administration. And mm. their whole entire job was just unwinding positions and finding ways to, to make good on their debts. And eventually, if there's any remaining for equity, which I, I don't know, know if there was in that case. But but yeah, that's typically yeah. it. Your, your loans get paid back, then your bonds get paid back or other um, kind of lending type devices before the equity component. And uh, yeah. that, that's what you'd be left with. But I don't know. I don't know how it'll shake with the government intervention. Because I'm not clued right. to that in this case, yeah. Um, but but yeah, I would love to see similar to you guys if that portfolio just like took off. Yes, did, right. Yes. Hey, we screwed up crypto ourselves, but now here is Anthropic and a whole bunch of other names in the portfolio that were all like earlier stage, outperforming right. the market, uh, and it, and I and I just love it. And and every time you see the bio on Anthropic, it's always like the idea of like part of the company ethos is responsible AI because they felt like open AI was not as responsible as it needed to right. be. And I, I kind of think it's a lot of uh, irony floating here, the responsible aspect of things. Like yeah. 500 million investment come, from Yeah. Come to the rescue. <laughs> it's it's awesome. I love it. Well, I hope everybody gets their money back that, yeah. you know, creditors and equity holders. Right. Um, yeah. I think that would be incredible. Um, it's also interesting too. This is literally all happening right smack in the middle of this guy's trial. This, like, you know, Sam Bigman Fried's trial, right? And and I'm hearing the lawyers now are starting to like argue, like, oh, well, you see, he isn't like, you know, Bankman Fried's lawyers, like, he isn't a crook. You see, like, it, it was just bad timing. If everything would have just happened, or it would have been okay, you know. What about uh, I don't think that's Michael? Work. Lew- what about Michael Lewis? Everybody was giving him some oh, uh, some that poor heat. guy. Man, over the over the over the you know biopic or whatever you call it. I haven't read the book. Did you read the book yet? I haven't read. I it. haven't. I just uh, saw some people giving him a lot of heat. Oh, a lot of heat. I saw. I've been seeing on socials and everything. Yeah, a lot yeah. of heat for that guy. Yeah, that's that's tough. I mean, it's tough. <laughs> that's a I, tough, I, tough, yeah. tough game. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. But anyway, FTX, I just think it's so interesting when you got, you know, because there's a lot of companies out there, like Stripe's got a venture portfolio, right? I mean, these a lot of these like pre-IPO stock companies, which like FTX was, used to be one of those, they have venture portfolios and these things are like the sleeping giants, man. Some of these things start to pop. It could impact valuations otherwise. I keep thinking back to like NASPERS, right? So NASPERS owned, um, uh, uh, what's the Chinese company? 
It's now eluding me. I should know this. Anyway, Bean they bottle. owned a, a Tencent. I'm sorry, Tencent. Tencent. So Nasper's owned Tencent, and it was this. It was like it was like 75 percent of the valuation of the company was wow. this <laughs> equity stake that they had in Tencent, it's like South American or South African, you know, uh, equity that trade on the South African exchange. So like it's it could be super interesting to see you know folks with uh, you know these big these big stakes like Microsoft. I know Microsoft's a giant, right? But they have a big allocation in OpenAI. If OpenAI becomes you know a trillion dollar company, Microsoft's going to get that. They'll see some value from that, I think, in their in their stock price too, right? So um, anyway, interesting interesting item. Okay, anything else on your guys' mind this week? Anything hot in tech? Did you buy those Quest 3 goggles yet in anticipation for metaverse conversations? Anything? No? I Well, I don't know if mine uh, is still going to work, but it's it's the older version. We got to try that. You guys got to get it hooked, hooked up. We got to do it. We yeah, should do one I'll of these podcasts in photorealistic avatar. That's, That's what, what I was just going to say. I'll buy you guys like Quest 3 for yeah. Christmas this year and we can do this in the metaverse. You know what I mean? I like Come that. on. If we can record it, we're going to have to do one like like that. Oh, yeah. for sure. For sure. Very, you know very, Clint's going to cool. show up as like a robot or something, right? He won't, he'll, he'll pass on the photorealistic bit. <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm going to do something crazy. Yeah, we'll show up. We'll show up with you, Aaron. Both of us. There you go. That's yeah. it. That'll really trick you. And then let them pick who, who's who, right? We'll just all have it. It's like a nightmare. That's the last thing the world needs is three of me, right? Okay, that's good. That's good. All right. Well, listen, fellas, I appreciate it. Thanks for your time today, and I'll talk to you guys next week.